A £20,000 prize. Oh, my God. Makes the Edwin Morgan Award one of the largest poetry awards <gasps> in the UK. And Whoa. we are going to tell you all about it. <sighs> Welcome to the Poetry at In Deep Show. podcast. Oh, Jesus. fuck, man. <laughs> in 1999, Edwin Morgan was made Glasgow's first poet laureate. In 2004, he was named as the first Scottish national poet, or Macker. You may have seen Edwin Morgan in the news this year, as 2020 marks his centenary. And the Edwin Morgan Foundation have used this entire year to celebrate his life, career, and mm-hmm. tremendous contribution to Scottish culture. Here at Speculative Books, we've already already been celebrating Morgan's centenary by publishing the Centenary Collection, guest edited by Colin Hart. Colin Hart, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the Centenary Collection contains poetry and short stories inspired by Edwin Morgan's scrapbooks, including a foreword by Colin Hurd and contributions from Liz Lockhead, Henry Bell, Stephen Watt, Katie Veach, Sean Wee Kuhn, Jack McMillan, Laura Bissell, Russell Jones, Layla Josephine, Cesar Doza, Fanola Scott, and many, many more. Poetry Collects. Snap. You thought they were gone? They're making a quick comeback. (laughs) Edwin Morgan willed close to one million pounds to the SNP and left another million to set up the Edwin Morgan Award. You must be a previously unpublished poet. Pamphlets are allowed. Thank God. And you must be no older than 30. This year's winner will be announced at an online event as part of the Edinburgh Book Festival, week beginning the 15th of August. We have interviewed all seven poets shortlisted for this year's award, and they have all sent us a recording of them reading a selection of their work. Stuart Sanderson is this week's episode. Woo! Only is, five days to go, baby! Five days, oh, man! That is crazy! Exciting, isn't it? Time is flying! Could you imagine how nervous the people shortlisted must be? In five days, they're either not, or they are, going to have 20 grand. Imagine getting 20 grand. Stuart Sanderson is a poet from Glasgow, currently be- based in the West Midlands, where he works as a local authority arts development officer. The recipient of the Eric Gregg Award, as well as the Robert Louis Stevenson and Jesse Kesson, Jesse Kesson, Kesson, Jesse Kesson Fellowships. His most recent pamphlet is An Offering by Tapal Sari, which was released in 2018. <laughs> Stuart did an interview over email, which you can find at speculativebooks.net slash podcast. If you would like to have the centenary collection that we mentioned earlier for free, you can sign up to the Speculative Books subscription service. Use the code MORGAN, that's M-O-R-G-A-N, yes. to get your first month free, and the Centennial Collection will be the first book that you receive. We publish a book every month, which you can get through our range of plans. You head to speculativebooks.net slash subscribe to find out more, and remember the code MORGAN. Oh yeah. Five more days. Five more days. It's a countdown. We're doing it. We're doing the countdown. We're doing the countdown. Yeah, man. How, many, how many seconds is five days? Oh, so 24 hours. That 24, no, 24 times 60. Yeah, that's, that's how many minutes. minutes are in a day. Times that by 60 is how many seconds are in a day. 86,400 times yeah. that by 5. That's what I was going to say. 4,320. No, 431,999 431,998 431,998 Oh man, I would be nervous Yeah, yeah If I had to sit and count all those numbers (laughs) Well, luckily we don't have to count numbers We get to listen 
to oh. Poetry, yes, which is uh-huh. coming up now. So if you want to check out that interview, get on to speculatebooks.net slash podcast. You can read all about it. Or just buckle up and listen to some sweet poetry from the man himself. Stuart Sanderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. Hello. I'm Stuart Sanderson, and it's a pleasure to be speaking to you today from the rain-lashed West Midlands of England, uh, where the weather in early July is doing a very good impression of uh, my Drich native climes, uh, of which I often think with great fondness. Uh, And it's also um, really good to be invited to speak on the Speculative Books podcast. Uh, And also, um, as I understand, this podcast has a focus on the uh, poets shortlisted for the 2020 Edwin Morgan Poetry Award. A real honour to be um, shortlisted for that, uh, alongside some very, very fine writers. So thank you to uh, everyone uh, who's made these things happen. The first poem that I'm going to read for you is called The Sleep Road. Over the moor we walk together. Down the road Wade's redcoats made. Lang sign, perhaps, or just our steps, sifted like sleep, night after night. A metaphor for where we are, wearing a line in each day's mountain, a goat track cut in wakeful granite, the winding path of our shared breath. So I'm a poet um, who writes a lot about language and thinks about it a lot and maybe that's uh, um, true of all poets to some extent Uh, but I often like to write poems that involve um, esoteric words often from the Scots language or uh, reflecting on the linguistic history of um, particular places and this poem is called Pictish that I'm going to read now and it refers to a now extinct language from Scotland um, which was spoken in the north in what is often referred to as the Dark Ages, uh, and about which we don't know very much, and not very much of Pictish survives, and we don't know a huge amount about it beyond the fact that it was related distantly to Welsh, Cornish, Breton. Um, It's quite a tantalising story and um, an interesting place for poems to reflect, I think. Pictish. Listen to the wind where this language was. The whisper as it passes through the long grass at St. Vigens, the leaves at Aberlemno. Read on past the pause where its king list ebbs away into the waters of a new tongue. So the river you runs downhill towards its sea loch. Reach out and touch the topsoil to which its syllables remain attached. An anchor lodged in sand years after the ship has rotted. Throw one last log on the fire as you pronounce their names. Mechten and Brud, Drosten and Drest, them let, and blend like smoke does with them in my air. So the next poem that I'm going to do is called Tinsale, and it's rather a bleak poem, I suppose. Um, and picking up the linguistic theme, it refers to a word that I found in the Dictionary of the Scots Language, which glosses the losing of possessions, etc., loss, destruction, 
harm, detriment, um, unfortunately, uh, a thing we contemplate uh, rather often these days. Tinsel. A term for when the tin's been sold, and all the tinsel taken down. For when we feel a tingling cold, we'll find a shot stag's hollow crown now on the moor. Then count the times to tell how many years have blown past while it wandered in the pines and windy places, where our lack takes solid form, a wall which drains by increments into the slack, ground by a freshly planted wood, of firs spread like a dark green crack through fields where people's houses stood. Tinsel, a word we're losing now as language thins. A word which could come back, perhaps, teaching us how to talk about what's happening. And as we walk into the low of our own tinsel, find something to sing about, be it so small as this one word, which we let ring, despite the bleakness of it all. Not that I would want to be a poet who only concentrates on the bleak things in life. Uh, and this next poem is one that um, I wrote last year while on the 2019 Jesse Kesson Fellowship at Moniac Moor, uh, which was a really uh, great time, really productive um, and really nice in that there were a lot of really interesting uh, and wide-ranging writers there who it was great to bounce ideas off and um, feel that you were working in solidarity with as well. And this poem um, has a formal constraint in that it has every line ending with the syllable O. Uh, which is the kind of thing that's often quite fun to do and can free your mind up to find unexpected things that you wouldn't have thought of if you hadn't put yourself into that um, formal corner with the language. Uh, and seeking, I think, um, preparing for that residency, I took a lot of notes from Jessie Kesson's work and seeking was a word that I think she was using in a quite significant context and seemed to me like there was something to be done with it. Uh, so this poem emerged. Seeking. That red kite I saw two days ago from the cottage window, feeling its way over a furrow in the wind. I know what it sought in the ebb and flow of air, in every undertow and updraft, ready to throw the rough pasture below where a mouse might burrow towards its talons. Let me show you something else a cloud's slow progress swaddling the snow-capped cairngorms, which grow as the rain falls back. Jambo would have found both E and O in such a prospect, the stark glow of the peaks wrapped in their indigo grey shawls, an A in a crow, as it swithers to and fro before setting down, with no less grace than a no artiste on a fence post. So the hand, finding a radio station, lets the dial go. This next one that I'm going to do is called Hillfort, and it's another one that came out of that um, residency up at Moniac, uh, where there was a hillfort just uh, above the writing centre, uh, as any listeners who've been there will know. Um, it's a really great, beautiful place to be. Hillfort. A palimpsest of people's lives. This hilltop is a manuscript, sections of which have not survived. See where the earthen banks have slipped. 
Then there are lacunae where the ploughman, not unlike a scribe reusing rolls, has brought his share through old work, tossing stones aside, a fragment half of which has gone to feed the wind, insatiable and writing its own story on the weathered vellum of the hill. Even the pollen buried deep below my feet has tales to tell, still dreaming in its wintry sleep of when the ice sheets rose and fell. A reading knowledge of the land reveals what is recorded here, and though it's hard to understand, the underlying sense is clear. As evening falls, I walk across this written and unwritten ground, my footprints footnotes to its loss, a poem waiting to be found. And the next one that I'll do is called The Thistle Bird, and it comes with a, um, a slight apology to any Estonian speakers who may be listening, uh, in that it uses a word, uh, a hakelind, which I understand is the Estonian word for goldfinch. Uh, and it came out of a visit to Estonia uh, a few years ago. Uh, I was very struck by the country and its culture. Um, a small country living um, its best life in many ways, it struck me, though, of course, there are complexities everywhere. And this one, I suppose, is a, a poem about small languages as well, and it also contains um, Lassercolia, the Gallic term for goldfish. And the other piece of background about it would be that uh, the goldfinch is obviously a very important symbolic bird in a lot of senses. Um, I believe there are Christian overtones, but also for the great Russian poet Osip Mandelstam, it was his favourite bird, favourite animal, I think, that um, has a lot of creative symbolism there. And maybe that is important here, or maybe it isn't. Uh, and I'll read the poem. The Thistle Bird. I make this poem as softly as I can, for fear of frightening the only word I need. Which landing in Estonian becomes Ohakalind, the thistle bird. A skittish shyness shifting in a blurred flitter of feathers through the dappled trees around Viljandi, where the silence stirred up by its tiny wing beats and a breeze blown off the Urals, weighs the centuries through which that word Ohakalind has passed, weighs up the alternate realities in which little Eesti failed to last. Goldfinch, Ohakalin. Another name for it is Lassercolia, Forest Flame. So, a poem about language. As this next one is. So, this one um, is called Ogham, and as some listeners will know, Ogham is the script that I think developed from people in Ireland coming across Latin. Uh, characters and adapting them and it's an alphabet where letters relate to trees and it was used to write various languages Irish I believe and Pictish uh, and this is a poem which attempts to do something uh, with I think Pictish inscriptions um, by taking them and then doing an acrostic poem with a very difficult to parse and understand uh, inscription in Pictish so it uses the indecipherable short Pictish or indecipherable to me, maybe not to some scholars, and uses that an acrostic which posits some kind of translation or response to 
the untranslatable or the indecipherable. So each of these three poems, these three poems, has um, a couple of elements. So it refers to the stone object or the object uh, that the poem uh, begins with, with the inscription. It has the inscription, and then it has the acrostic. And it's one that maybe comes across on the page, but we'll see how it comes across with just the audio. Uh, it was published in a magazine called Poetry Wales, if anyone is dying to see the um, written version. Ogham. One. The Brandsbutt Stone. Irata Dorans. It must resist the philologist almost unsuccessfully. Then, as it seems to yield, allow a little doubt to drift like wood smoke, or coastal har across the characters, ever redeemed and ever negated by their many silences. Two. The Buckcoy Spindle Hall. Bendacht Animoch. Before it is misunderstood, each weathered carving names nothing, is deprived of speech. There was a poem occasionally can still manages to communicate something, albeit only our need to express ourselves, in whichever material is nearest, lest we be forgotten. Three, the Lunnesting Stone. At the Kurtz, Athan, Nettons. Even the lichen tricks us as it etches away, and so confounds us till all hope has been erased of our translating half these stories lost in stone. And again how the wind has worn them till only the faintest trace stays anchored, nearly yet not quite reduced to nothingness. How the rain conspires against consonant and vowel as it veers in, everlastingly voluminous and vulture-like. No words can express how much has vanished, but nonetheless I offer these words now to sweeten the sorrow. And I think that I will come to an end with this poem now, which uh, is called A Lump of Quartz, and um, I'm glad to say appeared in the excellent Scottish poetry magazine The Dark Horse um, a while ago. A Lump of Quartz. I found the goodness of this world exposed out on the high moraine of Ben Doran, a lump of quartz, one smooth by centuries of rain. No larger than a small child's fist, I felt its cold weight fill my palm, a heavy lightness like the sweep of some old Hebridean psalm. I turned it marbled white and grey, now dull, now dazzling as it shone. It could have been a fold of fat cut from an ice-bound mastodon. Or dropped there by a glacier, the still heart of a fossil bird, grandsire to Archaeopteryx, for which science has as yet no word. A pebble to put in your mouth and roll till you had learned to speak. A simple thing to throw away after an hour a day, a week. A single stone containing all compassion, virtue, tenderness, waxing and waning with the ebb 
and flood tide of our tendencies. Thank you very much for listening and uh, see you soon in Scotland.